0: Namo Tassa Bhagavato arahato Samha Sambudasa
1: Namo Tassa Bhagavato arahato Samha Sambudasa
0: Homage to the Blessed, Noble and Perfectly Enlightened One Homage to the Blessed, Noble and
1: Perfectly Enlightened One
0: Wushanshanshanya the unsurpassed, deep, profound, subtle, wonderful Dharma in a hundred thousand million eons is difficult to encounter. Now that I have come to receive and hold it, within my sight and hearing, I vow to fathom the thus-come-one's true and actual meaning. Shifu shangren, Goe shishyong, da liam Venerable Master, Dharma friends, welcome to our Sutra Lecture tonight. Uh, this is September 29th, and we are here in Berkeley, California, and it will be the full moon in approximately 40 minutes, the Aries full moon, which is may or may not be significant. Um, we're going to begin the text, uh, as we always do, by chanting the name of the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and invoking the Abhatamsaka Assembly, so please... Join me and we'll chant that together. That's on the front cover of your text here. to uh, say hello to any, all the folks who are joining us online, and if you have um, ever tried to find these lectures online, um, the best place to go these days is the uh, Berkeley org to spell it out. B-E-R-K-E-L-E-Y Berkeley, sorry, said it wrong. berkeleymonastery.org B-E-R-K-E-L-E-Y M-O-N-A-S-T-E-R-Y. And you click on that link and it used to take you to Ustream. And we're switching our provider and we're going over to YouTube streaming. And if we do it well, you won't notice. You'll just click on that link and it'll take you right there. Um, but it involves switching of all of the archived files. Um, so there will be glitches. You will. You may be frustrated in trying to locate your favorite MP3, but we hope to have it down quickly so it'll be a seamless experience. And we're hoping that um, all of the lectures that we've done in this series, which is the Ten Grounds, by the way. We are lecturing on the Avatamsaka, the Flower Garland Sutra, the Ten Grounds chapter. The Bodhisattva's Ten Grounds, the Bumi chapter, Shidipin. So if we do our work well, we'll have all of those up before too long with uh, a little bit of introduction so you can figure out which lecture you found and where it fits in the series. And likewise, these are available as podcasts on on YouTube, on set it wrong, iTunes. Straighten out my tongues. So on iTunes you can also find these lectures. And if you go if you don't get here, to listen live, um, then you can find them on dharmaradio.org, d-h-a-r-m-a, radio, dharmaradio.org. So there's a variety of ways to use uh, the benefits of multimedia to, to locate our lectures. The YouTube will be video, because this little guy here has been faithfully recording the picture of me sitting still. How dynamic is that? It's just one of the least kinetic webcast, one of the least kinetic 80 minutes you will spend this week is watching the monks sit still. But you can look at Master Shren which does you a world of good. Looking at me, nothing much changes. Uh, used to be I would switch every 10 minutes into Mandarin, so that was exciting, especially if you understood it. It was even more fun. Um, but we went to English, so you get to watch a relatively static. Used to be used to be back in the day, the image uh when we were webcasting at a very low band rate bandwidth, that the screen would refresh every four or five minutes. So you'd get a static image and then suddenly I'd be gone. Oh, the monk, you know, scratched his head or blew his nose and then it would shift back and you get to watch that image for, for five minutes. So there has been marvelous advances in bandwidth and technology. We've upgraded our camera, and now we're going to YouTube, which uh, promises to deliver a uh, more consistent stream, and we won't be paying for it, which is a real enticement. So, um, In any case, our teacher, Master Shenhua, was what you call an early adapter in using whatever technology, whatever tools worked uh, to bring the Dharma, he would give it a try. He would try it out. So we had the earliest, believe it or not, Osborne computer to process Sutra translations. And if you don't know what an Osborne computer is, welcome to Generation X. Because if you're a baby boomer, you would have heard about Osborne. They were produced in Fremont, California. They had a little octagonal green readout, digital readout, which was this big. So I may be one of the only people in the room scanning here. Tam is as old as I am, a little older, I think, and David. But that's it. Everybody else is too young to know about Osborne, which is a good thing, not a bad thing. But after the Osborne, we had a K-Pro, we had a Digilog, And then when uh, Toshiba came out with their very first laptop computer, we got a Toshiba uh, 100, I think, which was an actual portable computer. Imagine, you could pick it up and carry it with you. You didn't have to to go where it was. We also had a Tandy 100, um, which was a marvelous machine, way ahead of its time. It had an internal modem. The modem was right there, and it was 24 baud. You all are impressed with a 24-baud modem. Dharma Master, what's a baud? It's not B-A-W-D. It's not a Shakespearean baud. That's not it, not body. 24-baud modem was so slow. That was the one that went, right, that one? So we had a 24-baud modem, which allowed you to plug into what were called BBSs, bulletin boards, uh, an a, uh, internet bulletin board. Which was the predecessor to email. This so is before email even existed. You could go onto a bulletin board. And I was one of the very first, I believe, certainly in uh, Berkeley, to answer online questions on Dharma. My bulletin board was called Ask a Monastic. And you could ask a monastic all kinds of questions, and people actually did at 24 baud. So you could watch the the screen refresh A, B, C as it slowly, slowly captured those bits and refreshed them. So, anyway, here we are now with our web streaming sutra lecture going on to YouTube tonight for the first time. And we'll maybe, uh, do we have the chat function up yet, Yuan? We are using YouTube's chat. So people will be able to give us real time feedback on how it's working. So please do that. All right, if you would turn now in your sutra text to page 68 and 69. That's where we'll start tonight. We are on the third paragraph. We're in the verses, the repetitive verses, and we've determined, correctly or incorrectly, that these were chanted, not read. They were memorized, certainly, and uh, transmitted orally, and chants almost always have a melodic tone to them. So I'll give you a line and, and you give it back to me. Chang Chojin Ling
1: Ji
0: We're going to go down to the next one. Um, We actually lectured that paragraph last time. Here we go. Next one. This is number four down.
1: Rochin
0: Okay, together with me, let's read 69, next to the bottom, here we go. He is mindful that wisdom is obtained from hearing, making such reflections he urges himself on, day and night, to hear and practice with no interruption, only taking proper dharma as worthy and important. To bring you up to speed, we're talking about bodhisattvas, and bodhisattvas are awakened beings. These are humans who are altruistic, they have good hearts, they are kind and selfless. They're the kind of people who help others before they help themselves, and they, for, from their mind, helping others is helping themselves, there's no difference. So this bodhisattva is in training. This is a third ground bodhisattva. A bodhisattva is in the third stage of ten. And he or she is <clears throat> has been watching living beings going through all kinds of unhappiness. And he or she has uh, been reducing the barriers between himself And others, he doesn't stop with his skin. Now you can supply the pronoun; it's he or she. It doesn't matter. This is gender-free bodhisattva, and this bodhisattva is very much tuned in to others, and he sees how confused they can be. And our sutra took us through his progressive awakening, and he realized that things were moving on things were transient the things of the world the material things and also the states of mind were in flux constantly moving and changing and when he noticed also that when we hold on to things when we grab them especially the ones we like and then they go into flux they move and change that it's painful it hurts as things break up As things go bad, as things age, as they vanish. So he wants to wake people up to that reality, to the the real nature of all conditioned things, things that are made of components, made of conditions. So he sets himself the challenge of learning how to wake people up to that reality. His answer, he got an answer, which was Buddha Dharma. Dharma's the way. I want people to learn the Dharma because then they won't be quite so stuck when things change. They'll be able to roll with it. They'll be able to take the bumps in the road and uh, adapt and respond and let go as necessary when things change. So that's, that's where we are now, is the Bodhisattva's is right Buddha dharma that's what i want how do i learn it who can teach me i really need to learn the buddha dharma can somebody please tell me more because it's only through learning he identifies upaya fangbianfa expedient methods to teach that he's going to be able to get people to wake up so things have changed and last week we pointed out here's a turning point in the the Discoveries of this bodhisattva right in this part of the chapter, which is now he or she has learned that it's in, excuse me, it's in learning the Dharma that he's going to be able to help. The Dharma is the thing that's going to help people wake up. So he needs to learn. Kind of like a, I guess, a doctor who has got his basics of biology, chemistry, physics and the mechanics of the body. And now he's learning healing techniques. He's learning the application of medicines. He's learning internal medicine, external medicine. He's learning the uh, important aspect of spirit and emotion to healing and illness. And so the more tricks of the trade he can learn, the better he will be at helping people heal and recover from illness so the Bodhisattva is a Dharma doctor in training right now he's still in med school but he at least now knows what he needs to he's got the basics he knows what he needs in order to be able to respond to the various illnesses that are going to come his way that's where we are I just got an email from a friend um, who said, Oh, and by the way, Dharma Master, what can I say to one of my friends who has recently been struck hard by the gambling disease? This person uh, was recently bailed out by another friend to the tune of $70,000 and is still $170,000 in debt. And does not recognize what he is doing. What, what can I say to him? Do you have any method? Can you relay some wisdom that I can pass on to this friend so they'll wake up to what's ahead if they continue? And the last line of the email was really telling. She said, and how strange, because this was a golden child. He looks fine. This was a golden child. Who would think? And to tell you the truth, I don't. I honestly don't. Gambling is one of the strangest of illnesses. It's as rare and as, can be as fatal as somebody who suddenly comes down with type 2 diabetes. This person's got it, this one doesn't. What will you do to recover? you got to change or your insulin imbalance will kill you. You have to stop doing this, and you have to start doing this. Stop eating sugar, start taking insulin. And if you don't, you'll die. How come you've got it and your brother or sister doesn't? There you go. Right? Cancer. You get the word. Oh. The doctor says, um, close the door. You and I need a conversation. And you know the doctor is going to give you the bad news. Why me is the question. Gambling is like that. Why him? And if somebody has the gambling illness, it can ruin the entire family. I have, while I sat beside Master Hua when um, people would come to him, and there sometimes I saw this three times, completely different. Uh, family situations, different countries and different ages of the gambler. But so-and-so, they would come in, and, and sometimes it was the parents, sometimes it was a sibling, would come in and say, I want you to tell me what to do about my brother, father, son, uncle, who's got the gambling bug. And it's the, the damage that a gambler can do in your family is legend. They can empty the wealth of the family. Because the it's it's very much and I'm I'm going off on this here because it's an illness similar to a virus. It just comes and gets this person. And they can't stop. And all the while they're gambling, they have this guarantee, this utter faith that this is the one right luck be a lady tonight luck if you've ever been a lady to begin with luck be a lady tonight luck let a gentleman see how nice a doll you can be I know you've cheated the other fellas that you've been with luck be a lady with me A lady wouldn't flirt with strangers. She'd have a heart. She'd have a soul. A lady wouldn't make little snake eyes at me when I bet my life on this roll. So, let's keep the party polite. Never get out of my sight. Stick with me, baby. I'm the fella you came in with. Luck be a lady tonight. Right? Sky Masterson rolls the dice. And because he owns the casino, he wins. Because they were rigged dice, right? But if you don't know the casino, what are the chances that you'll go out with more money than you came in with? Not very good. And everybody knows that, and everybody believes this is the one. Right? Oh, off by just one. Damn. Well, there went my car. Let's see, I can pawn that one. And you go out. Um, One of our fellow monks back at Gold Mountain Monasteries. Grew up in Las Vegas. I won't tell you who, and I promise I'll get back to the sutra as soon as I tell you the story. It won't be long now. His dad, uh, I, if I, you'll trace it back, and he'll be embarrassed. His dad ran a used car lot on the outskirts of Las Vegas. He was infamous, and he was rich. Why was he infamous? If you suddenly found yourself, oh, off by one, you could take your Chevrolet, Ford, Buick, Oldsmobile, Plymouth, Pontiac, Cadillac, Lincoln, old Lincoln Mercury, Volkswagen, and go to see him, and you'd say, hey, I need some money fast. And he would look at it, and he'd go, Give you 250. 250. That car's worth 4,000 dollars. Give you 200. 200. Give you 175. I'll take it. <laughs> Pull out 175, hand it to you. Give me the keys and the title. It'd be his car. You'd go back with 175, lose it on the next roll. And he got rich. And his car, his parking, his lot had the finest cars that rolled into Las Vegas that night. <laughs> and then the next night, and the next night, and the next night. And he knew somebody who was sick with the gambling disease. By one look, he would know what he could give them. And he had the finest cars. And these poor folks. I'll give you anything. My watch, my, my, my kids, my house. Just, I need money. And then if you get in way over your head, knock, knock, knock. Yes, uh, yes, uh, we work for the casino. We've come to collect. I don't have it. I promise I'll get it to you. (laughs) We'll collect one way or the other. Oh, boy. So, how sad. And knowing this, people go, this is the one I feel lucky to know, right? Now, some of you may know personally how deadly and terrible the gambling bug is. And if you get it, how do you cure somebody of the gambling bug when they are ruining their kids' chances at an education? They're selling their car out from under just to... So I watched this go through Gold Mountain Monastery several occasions and I learned a healthy fear of the gambling bug. When it bites somebody, oh my, yeah. Folks who leave their kids in the car in the parking lot when they go into the casino, Casino 101, just down below Redwood City, right? It's further south, isn't it? It's near, near above Palo Alto. You know that one? It's where Highway 101 meets just above where it meets 180. It's on the left. Oh, boy, you go into that casino. Not that I have regularly or recently. (laughs) But I guarantee that you will see a lot of folks who you might recognize down there. Leave the kid in the car, forget all about it. The temperature gets over 100 degrees, and you come out, and the kid is cooked. That happened not too long ago. You'll remember. And it's a disease. So, the Bodhisattva. Back to the sutra. Ha! Yes, Sandy.
1: Yeah. the addiction is kind
0: of similar okay the disengagement and lack of connection yeah okay Sandy's comment is I know that people couldn't hear it online she said um, maybe generation X cannot connect as much to gambling that, it's interesting just that point alone um, if you go into the casinos how many people under 25 do you find my guess is not very many Maybe there's a, it's a generational thing. Um, I guarantee you will find lots and lots of baby boomers in the casinos, elderly, white-haired women. I, this I know because I was forced to deplane once in Reno, uh, Las Vegas. at the Las Vegas airport. Flying southwest, south bad weather, the c- dust storm hit the computer in L.A. or in Phoenix, and it dropped the whole system. So everybody had to get off the plane, and I spent five hours once in the Las Vegas airport. And as you get off the plane and you come around, there you are in the middle of a casino. Ding, 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 Whirr whir, whir, a lucky winner, another lucky winner. And there I was. And it's astounding, the banks and banks of the slot machines, the old ladies whose hair is white and who have a heavy-duty glove on their right hand and a coffee can in their left hand. The coffee can is full of quarters, and they take a quarter and put it in and pull the slot. The glove is because they pull the slot handle so many times. They go down the row of slot machines, feed it, pull it, feed it, pull it. In a comatose state, the, the, the machine three down that they just put the money in is spewing out quarters. They don't even know they've won a jackpot because it's the maybe this time, maybe this time, maybe this. Hey, lady, you won, huh? Oh, yeah, thank you. Scrapes up the quarters, continues. You know, no joy in winning. It's in the, the, whatever the adrenaline. So Sandy's question was, yeah, I, and in those slot machines, I didn't see many young people. So maybe it's a generational thing. It's certainly mysterious. And I have to say, I have not seen any studies on gambling disease. Her question, is it the same thing for Generation X and Millennials the new post-generation X people who, who uh, came around at the turn of the, uh, the turn of the millennia, millennium. Is it the same for them? The same disease that puts them into massively multiplayer video games, where you are playing for hours and hours and hours with people across the planet. Um, World of Warcraft is probably the prime suspect these days. And there are a lot of stories about young people who uh, play. I know a young man in Los Angeles who goes to school at about 8 a.m., comes home at 2 or 3, uh, gets online, and plays until 4 a.m., gets four hours of sleep, goes to school, comes back, gets online, and he passes months and years like this. And he's actively playing World of Warcraft with people in Korea and in New York. And so the question, Sandy's question is, is it the same? Well, my quick answer is, I don't know. But my guess is that the internal experience of looking for Lady Luck and the jackpot to roll your way triggers something inside some sort of adrenaline rush some sort of um what's the the thing that drugs trigger the chemical the internal chemical dopamine Dopamine. some sort of little reward of winning and avoiding being shot down and shooting down um Maybe the internal experience is the same. You have a joystick and a mouse and a controller and not a... or a, you know, the the turning wheel. But I would be interested to find comparisons to see what is, you know, what is being triggered in the internal chemistry as you... I've I've never played World of Warcraft, I don't know, but certainly the devotion to it and the, the amount of time spent on it seems to be similar. Vince. Yeah, I didn't. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, Vince said, I didn't, um, I didn't say what Sherfu said. What, what did Shifu do when people came? I saw three different cases come, come through, and his answer was different all three times. And he asked some of the details, and he asked if it was possible to bring the person to, to see him. So it wasn't a third party. One case, it was in Malaysia. And the person who was doing the gambling, Master Hua said, this is a karmic obstacle. You uh, harmed him in the past, he was saying to the father of the son who was gambling. And he is going to ruin you because you owe it to him so the sooner the you know let's hope he can do it without uh, making the mob angry so he gets beaten on Um, but you're going to lose it all he said because you owe it to him now that's an inconceivable answer because that implies that Sherfu saw a past relationship and personally I believe he did but if, if people don't have the reality of this teacher that will seem like a, a a miraculous answer a magical answer well the person who heard that i watched their reaction and you could see that that they knew exactly what he was talking about that this they somehow had a sense they had it coming so in other words the gambling was just a vehicle to bring about the retribution owed to this person in other words a long running relationship. One of mutual harm. So that's mysterious, you know, and I can't see that one. In the other case, the one happened at Gold Mountain, and Sherpu said, bring him here. You know, bring this person here. We'll try to straighten him out. And I wasn't there for this for the next round, but the person said, we will. We'll bring him here. So I'm assuming that one was savable. Um, the third time, it was um, a, a case of the gambling was uh, a symptom of a, of a, another problem with a relationship. It was a husband and a wife, and the the husband was out to to punish. So that it seems like that karma was being created on the spot. It wasn't a, a debt from the past. So in each case, it was it was different. And in that third case, Master Hua um, took the couple. Into a uh, into a conversation to to see if he to try to work it out other than in a way that was going to empty their bank account you know so it was an emotional crisis that was being resolved you know the guy was out to spend the money to punish the wife um, in every case it was a man who was doing the gambling not a woman and that's interesting too you know among the um, the video game players. What's the percentage of girls playing in massively multiplayer video games? I understand that women are catching up, but at, at the start it was pretty much all a guy thing. Girls are, girls are catching up. Yeah, it's it's the virus is catching. It's going. Yeah. So what do we take away from this? One, the the principle that these stories are illustrating is the idea that. Um, The Bodhisattva wants to find a way. He wants to find a way to wake them up. And there are all kinds of diseases. So how interesting tonight, the the kickoff for this whole thing was that I got an email about a half an hour before I came down to, to lecture from somebody asking for help for a friend who gambles. What to do? And first of all, I'm far away from the situation, so I can't look at the person. I can't use anything other than the information from the email to, you know, quote, diagnose the situation, much less prescribe what to do. Um, But the people who I saw gambling through, you know, who came to our teacher, clearly it was old and deep and... Not something that you could answer without deep wisdom, without real wisdom. Not simple. Bu You know, this is not simple. Uh, and once somebody has that self-destructive impulse to, uh, to try out lady luck, you're not going to talk them out of it. Here's what you would think you would think you could play on the emotions and say, hey, don't you realize what you're doing to your son's education, to your wife's uh, happiness, to the possibility of a vacation next year? You're gambling your vacation money. You know, weren't you going to build an addition onto your house and invite mom? Well, you're not going to get mom to your house because you're losing your money that's going to, you know, build the addition, pay for the, the remodeling. That's not the avenue logic, an appeal to emotion, appeal to logic, is impervious because there's that sense of, that seems like a little window opens and luck whispers its poisonous chant into your ear. You know, I could bring you fortune, I could bring you money, you could be a winner. And the chance to be a winner somehow trumps wins over logic, emotion, reason, common sense. And you try to say, hey, don't you know that the house always wins? You know, don't you know the odds are stacked against you? Yeah, but that's, you know, just give me a second. This is the one. This is the lucky throw. So anyway, it's a tough one. It's a, It gets a grip on your soul and that sense of that little voice in there saying, you know, now, I will say one more thing. Um, once during the Moshirin, or the fifty Skanda demons of the Sharangama, once during those lectures, uh, our teacher mentioned that gambling is a goi. It's a ghost, just like uh, he described alcohol addiction, uh, drug addiction. It's a it's a gui, and it can get a hold of you. So it's a kind of possession, because why it defies logic and reason and emotion. You can't think your way. You can't reason your way out of a, a grip on a ghost. So the um, I remember once in uh, Liu Gui in Taiwan. Uh one of our lay families came to me and said, Dharma Master, Dharma Master, please help. My son, my precious Baobé, my precious son, uh, won't stop playing games on the computer. And it's to the point where if I go and say, hey, it's time for dinner, stop playing with the computer, he'll turn to me and go, get away from me!' And our son has never behaved like that. It seems like he's possessed. What do we do? Zamaban, Zamaban. You know? And how funny that a a well raised, well trained, intelligent young child can turn into a some sort of a raging creature, you know who ordinarily would never sass back to his parents, but when you tell him to stop downloading or, you know, to drop that joystick, he doesn't want to do it. And, what do I do, you know? My answer at the time was, what about the army? Can you enlist him? The only problem is, in the Army, if you're smart, they'll put you immediately on a computer <laughs> so that, you know, communications, you know, or war games or something, you know. You keep track of the supplies, and you know. Oh, yeah, you know. Oh, mm. So it's otherwise what do you do? How do you move people's consciousness away from that little dopamine hit that you get as you wait for the link to download? You know, I got it on eBay, you know. So this is a bigger question, right? we have strayed away from our text at this point. But computer addiction has become has gone into a nice middle class house in Liu Gui, Taiwan, and stolen the kid. Gui. You know, Yao Gui Swatch. Swallowed by a what? Computer goblin? Computer goblin? funny, huh? I think you all know what I'm talking about. Because occasionally, if you actually log the amount of hours you spend in front of that monitor, you might be surprised how that single activity has now become a dominant part of our day. Okay, what do we do? He is mindful that wisdom comes from hearing. He urges himself on, making reflections like that, day and night, to hear and practice with no interruption. He takes the proper dharma as the only thing worth his time and the most important. Why? Because what is the Buddha dharma? The Buddha dharma is medicine for affliction. Shriva would often say if there were no afflictions there wouldn't be any Buddha dharma. 84,000 of them, they say, right? Meaning a, a limitless quantity of methods to counter affliction. If our minds were uncovered to begin with, and if our six senses were functioning without warp or filters, why go through this whole process of cultivation? Why bow? Why chant? Why memorize? Why accord with precepts? Well, Confucius, at age 70, didn't have to follow the precepts because every single thing he did, thought, and said accorded with the Dharma without straying from it. At that point, Confucius, every move was a Dharma move. But that was age 70, after a lifetime of practice. So, if we didn't have afflictions, if we didn't go wrong, we wouldn't need to straighten back out. Right? Six Patriarch says, the mind made straight, why toil with the precepts? He said. So, if only, right? If only our minds were straight. So, that's why the Dharma is there. And, What that says is, the Dharma is strong enough to straighten us out. Okay? What would, if you, let me say we interview the Buddha, you know, World Honored One, what's the strongest thing in the world? World Honored One says, desire. Specifically, sexual desire. But he would give you five. He said, if there was anything else in the world like it, nobody would ever, ever wake up. Desire is the strongest thing. We will kill for desire. We will kill ourselves for desire. We pursue those things, wealth, sex, fame, food, and sleep, with passion, not compassion, passion. And it's strong. And where does it come from? From a thought, from where? My mind rises. I pursue it. I go after it. I will throw away my life in order to get what Appears to my mind as the current cool thing that I want. It may have a face, it may be a vehicle, it may be wealth, it might just be food, right? So that's what we'll pursue. What can, let's say, what is stronger than the desire? Buddha Dharma, which is a mold, a method something that holds body, mouth, and mind in the shape of a sage, an arhat, a bodhisattva, a Buddha. And if we put our warped, misguided habit, desire habit, into that mold of the Dharma, xie becomes zheng. What was crooked and out of shape gets reshaped into a proper lasting form. How interesting. So, you might say the only thing stronger than desire is the Buddha Dharma, 84,000 shapes that you put the protoplasm of body, mouth, and mind into, and it gets a gets straightened out, gets a proper shape. All right. How interesting, right? So, only taking wei yi fa wei zun zhong. He only takes the proper dharma as the thing that he reveres because he knows that if he can do that, he'll straighten out. He'll get there. The difference between xie, xie is tilted, crooked. Drum. Some activities give you immediate reward. Shooting free throws. Right? Got the basketball. Now, this may be a culturally specific referent, right? If you haven't played basketball, this won't make sense, right? So... Bonk, bonk! Standing at the line, you're ten feet. How far is the three throw from the from the hoop? Bonk, bonk! Line up, right? The ball arcs. Here's that metal hoop waiting. Nothing but net. Yes. You know, and if you're playing, we used to play pig and horse. First one, you know, first one to miss the shot gets a pee. If you miss the second shot, you get an I. If you miss the third shot, you get a G, and I win. Pig, right? And you have to duplicate my shot. You all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Summers. <laughs> okay, good. So, yeah, and, you get, and as soon as the ball goes through the hoop, you know, how many seconds does it take to go through the air? Boom, you win. Okay, you get the reward, right? So how do you get the ball in the hoop? It's got to be drunk. If it's xie, bonk, off. Right? That's the difference. If it's jung, you go through the hoop. You score. Score! So that's the difference. He only takes jung fa, what is square, right on. Jung is that character that, interesting character. Uh, if you look at third line up, wei yi zheng fa, there it is. That's the fourth line of the next to last stanza. If you, when, uh, when we're counting things in, in America and you're counting large numbers, you go like this. You go one, two, three, four, hor- not axial, right? Crooked, slanted line. So straight line, straight line, straight line, straight line, slanted line. Five is that. You're counting large numbers of things with a chalk. In China, you go one, two, three, four, five, Jump. Right? You use that character to count to five because it's it's not going to move. Jung doesn't wiggle. So that's how come these methods the bodhisattva wants work. Because if we're gambling, we're throwing everything on an idea. I'm going to win this time. Right? Well, you're already leaning because there's no proof whatsoever that you're going to win this time or any time. You get a little taste of it. Throw it all away on something, and sure enough, let you down. So if you can straighten it up and say, you know, if I don't gamble, guess what? I have to, like, say no to the urge, but then I've got all my, my wallet is there, and my money's in my wallet. I didn't give it to the, to the goon behind the wheel, you know, behind that. It's often not a goon. Often it's a very pretty Chinese lady there, you know, who says, place your bets, place your bets. So, straighten it up. Jung. There it is. He only takes the proper Dharma as worthy and important. So, principle Buddha Dharma is stronger than desire. Question? Yeah, the texts say that wisdom is obtained from hearing. Right. Okay, okay, got it, good question. Okay, his question is line one of the next to last stanza. Mind recalls this wisdom from hearing obtained. Okay, so the question is, is that right? Is wisdom attained from hearing? And the answer is yes, but that's not the only way. They talk about one si, xiu, three sources of, or three steps to prajna, hearing, reflecting, and then cultivating. All right? So there are three phases. You hear about it, you think it over. Does it work? Is it true? Is this, How do you apply it? Then you xiu, you put it into practice, then it's wisdom. Another way to talk about it is there are three kinds of prajna, three kinds of prajna wisdom. One is called Wanzh Bora, literary prajna. That's what you get from hearing. Right? Then there's Zhao Bora, the wisdom that comes from reflecting, from actually putting it into practice. Then there is Xiang Bora, ultimate prajna, which is when you transform consciousness into wisdom. There's a lot of change that has to happen before you get to the, the ultimate reality prajna. But that first step is hearing. And that brings me to a, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because um, we have a different, we're in a different time right now, which is a time that no longer depends so much on hearing. For information, we're in a time of visual literacy. Doug Powers, who is the co-founder of the Berkeley Monastery, taught at Berkeley High for 36 years. And he will tell you how young people, by and large, certainly this is not entirely true, young people, by and large, have left textual literacy and gone to visual literacy. Textual literacy originally came from hearing, right? A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P Q R S T U V W X Y Z Now I've learned my ABCs When can I get in light and <laughs> Not yet So when Doug started teaching it was textbooks It was novels You hear the teacher explain you read it that's still visual but it's text based It's based on grammar, it's based on words, and it's textual literacy. If you can't read your ABCs, you can't read, right? Now, by and large, not entirely, but by and large, we have left that time behind and we moved into a time of image literacy. It's true. And if you want to mark it, it was the rise of MTV, that was pretty much the marker. When I was growing up, I was the first TV generation where images came into my living room through this little tiny black-and-white TV that my parents bought. And there were three channels and one program per channel. You know, some of you remember. And pretty soon, bit by bit, you know, if there was, let's say, uh, what would be a good program... The Hallmark Presents, the Hallmark Hall of Fame. It was, uh, uh, would bring you a uh, fictional story, often a period drama. And the camera, by and large, was static. One camera, one view, and the action moved across in front of the camera. Well, by the time we got to MTV, not only was there no longer just one camera, but the images were cut quickly. So you never got more than about a three-second take on any picture before it shifted. So there was cut, 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 flash, 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 flash. And, you know, the the guy on the skateboard would be moving across the lens and it would cut to to another image. And from that time, we're actually... That speed of cuts changed our inner circuitry so that we had to speed up to get the information At the same time, hip-hop came as the medium for music, for rap and hip-hop. And I confess, I have a hard time getting the information from a hip-hop track. Not that I don't listen. I I think hip-hop is a totally legit uh, genre of music. And, I mean, it's not going to go back. Hip-hop is old by now. So, But I can't speed up quick enough to get the I, I it's hard. I do not I don't I don't I lack the inner circuitry, but young people do not lack that and they're picking up different information. Doug says to go to the average, not the outstanding students, but the average student in Berkeley High, and let's say Berkeley High is representative, we have teachers here in the audience who will verify this, and ask them about uh, the classical literature of the 20th century, they don't know. Haven't read it, won't read it, don't expect to read it. If you ask them about recent events in American history, if someone didn't tell them, they will not have picked it up from a book. Because the the eye is not the text line is not the preferred medium for gathering information now. So why am I saying this? 从文的. We have now moved into a time of Visual image literacy. Who teaches that? Who teaches us how to watch 15 minutes of TV and sort out the commercial message from the actual valuable content? Nobody. By and large, you've got to pick that up yourself. Right? The average person on the average day, if you are watching TV or surfing the net, will see on the average of three to 4,000 commercial messages in any given day. I mean, go on to the average. If you go on to, let me say, Sina.com, Sina, the Chinese news website, Sina.com, the flashing images coming at your eye are overwhelming. I can't get information from Sina.net or Shirje Ribao, you know, World Journal. There's just entirely too much stuff competing for my eyeballs. And those are commercially driven images. Images that hope that you will, based on that information, reach for your plastic and type in your number. They want to bring you with that click to their commercial website. Who is telling us which one is actually carrying information for you and which one hopes to move you to pay, give them money? Schools? Do you go to school to learn visual literacy? No. So we've gone from 从文德 to now to 从光德, I guess. We, to, it's no longer hearing. It's a good point. Thank you for the question. It's now you're on your own in an ocean of visual stimulus, stimuli. And some we should, there should be a class about fifth grade or sixth grade saying visual literacy 101. You know, visual literacy 1A. You need to know that that is a commercial message. Don't be fooled by it. This actually is a picture that carries content that you can benefit from. We don't have classes in visual literacy. Right? So, how interesting. And you could spin that off if you wanted to. If, if, this, if you want this for your MA thesis, give me a credit. Okay? Acknowledgements. Thank you, Reverend Hungsher, for bringing this topic to my, never mind. mind. So, how interesting. Chinese characters are not based on ABC. They have always been a visual literacy medium. So maybe the Chinese will have people who grew up reading Hanzi, Chinese characters, Kanji, will have an advantage as we move into the visual literacy age because they've always been picking it up from... They had to be sensitive to read Zheng from Xie. You know, maybe. So, there are essays on... Chinese characters as image, you know, as purveyors of visual image value, as opposed to ABC, which you have to, you only have 26 to go with, right? 26 letter. So, anyway, interesting concept. So, he is mindful that wisdom used to be obtained from hearing, now you have to combine hearing and seeing to get the wisdom. Making such reflections, she urges herself on day and night, to hear and practice without interruption, only taking what is proper and principled as worthy and important. Why? Why is proper dharma, zhengfa, as worthy and important? My answer to that question is because this dharma is jung because it comes from the nature. These dharma methods pre-exist my body, and my consciousness. They're there in the awakened nature already. And if you do these things, you will too become a bodhisattva. If you do these things, you too will become an arhat. If you do these things, you too will become a sage. If you do these things, you too, no matter what body you're currently wearing, will become a Buddha. Why? Because these are Buddha dharmas. These are bodhisattva dharmas. These forms, these holders, containers, are what Buddhas do. They're stronger than desire. They're stronger than my ego. They're stronger than my thoughts. But through my thoughts, I access them. I I access them. I get to them through my thoughts. And it takes somebody who you trust telling you this, before you will pick it up and try it out unless you have extraordinary good roots wholesome connection with the Dharma so yes it is from hearing but it's not just hearing a a random voice it's hearing the voice of somebody who you credit as having virtue and character somebody you trust right people I I when, I, when we went down last, uh, this is Saturday, Thursday before this Thursday, to L.A. to, to meet uh, with uh, Helen, whose husband, Wesley, as I mentioned, has passed away. And we were met at the airport by a disciple who had Master Shenhua's Pu uh, Xien uh, Hong Yen Pin lectures on the car, the car stereo on a tape. And as we drove away from the roaring jet engines at the Burbank Airport, there was Master Shenhua's voice coming out of, you know, loudly in this, this excellent stereo system. <laughs> and it's like, wow, there is Shifu in the car, you know, in L.A., it's like, it was so clear. Had a, it was a really good stereo, you know. And here was Sherfo, I kind of jumped because here's Shurful in my ear, you know. Like I know that voice. You know, <laughs> you better do what he says. You know, because <laughs> why? He knows what he's talking about. Like uh, wow, when you hear a voice that has virtue behind it, you go, I, that's a good idea. Know. I'll do that. So it's tongwanda. You hear it. You learn, but it's not just any old voice. You know, interestingly enough, a lot of people heard Bill Clinton's voice. I was... Anybody else notice? Uh, We're not going to do politics. Stop. Don't go there. Wait, wait. A few years ago, Bill Clinton was pariah number one. After the Democratic Convention, we had Mitt Romney saying, and I was just in Toledo with both of our candidates. Ohio was a battleground state. I was in Toledo yesterday. And, uh, you know... And here was everybody, go. Romney, going, well, you know, it really helps to have some people introduce you. Bill Clinton is one of those people. Bill Clinton is suddenly the golden boy after being, like, the worst creature in the political scene. Anyway, never mind. So when Bill Clinton tells you to cultivate the proper dharma, do you do it? No chance, right? <laughs> it has to be somebody with virtue. Ajahn
1: How they they, they, they
0: not the right. but they... But the Oral Right, Ajahn guna is making the point that, in uh, if you, the, one of the highest blessings is to have heard much, to be learned. Right to learn is a great blessing, and that because knowledge came orally, your mouth to my ear, my mouth to your ear in the past, so those texts, you didn't have a printed sutra book. You didn't have this nice, handy, you know, Chinese characters, Romanized Chinese, and then the English, they weren't so tidy and handy. You had to memorize them. And if you met somebody who had, you listened back in the day. Now, the other, and I I would like to piggyback on, on Ajahn Guna's comment to say another reason why we've gone to the visual literacy, age, is simply because of overload. Imagine if today, the sutra lecture that you joined tonight, was the only um, time that you had in a day, the only, you'd say, the only message you heard today. You had not turned on a TV, turned on a radio, gone online. uh, And... Your only quote entertainment your only even your only sense of your only opportunity for input was to gather to hear the Dharma or the stories of the Dharma. It would make a bigger imprint on your consciousness than we can now, where we 're bombarded with jingles and muzak and messages and uh, spam phone calls getting you out to to vote right robo calls so in the day when before electronic media before you could plug in some talking box somebody telling you something chances are you were going to retain it longer you just didn't have as much stuff in your ear so we are now in this age when we have to listen carefully right which of these images is there to entice me I remember one of the most blatant uh, examples of that was back, Member, boy, how old are we? When was the last time you saw a cigarette being sold on a billboard? Almost forgotten, huh? Guarantee, there were days when, if you crossed the, the, golden, the uh, Bay Bridge heading into San Francisco, of those billboards that are lined both sides, of, of Highway 101 going across. Um, no, it's, it's 80, right? That almost half of them would be cigarettes, cigarette ads. And they would say, Salem takes you away. And here would be a couple on a beautiful romantic beach. The sun is setting, the tide is coming in, the palm trees are there, and they're walking hand in hand along the beach, and Salem takes you away. You know, never mind it's... (coughs) What a beautiful image, right? They're putting burning tobacco leaves in your mouth. That's a lie. Salem doesn't take you away. Salem takes you to the hospital. Salem takes you to the oxygen tank and the little, you know, plastic things in your nose. That's a lie nope are you visually literate do you know it's a lie not if you believe it take it at face value wow if i smoke salem me too i want to go on that beach and hold the hand of that beautiful you know no that's just a lie to get you to buy cancer sticks (laughs) so thank goodness those are gone interesting huh you don't see salem salem does salem still exist Can you still smoke Salem's? I don't know.
1: Um, They are, I forget how many years now, required by law when they advertise to put the warning that it causes cancer. So if they post an ad on the billboard, they also have to put the warning. And it will be just that much bigger, so they're educating
0: people. Right. In the case of tobacco, they now have to post the warning. Warning. The Surgeon General has decided, has told that, Cancer that smoking cigarettes leads to. Have you read that warning recently, on the on the pack? Oh my lord! It says smoking leads to, you know, cancer, birth defects, blindness, horrible death, falling into the hells, turning into a goblin. Becoming no, it doesn't. It stops at that point. But it's a very dramatic end. And recently in Australia, the anti-smoking folks posted. Um, some uh, an image of post-smoking disease that was so objectionable, they finally said, no, you can't use that one. That's too graphic. You know, seeing uh, what the, they had pictures of lungs of smokers for 20 years, and, you know, and they, people, they said, that's too graphic. We, okay, just tell them. You don't have to show them, you know, not to smoke. And smoking is going up among young people. Smoking is back in movies. There was a few years when you couldn't have a cigarette, now they're back. Films where everybody's smoking. Why? The tobacco dollar speaks. Tobacco lobby is so powerful. They overthrew the laws. So anyway, that's not where we're going tonight. Let's move on down. Visual literacy. Here we go. Countries, cities, wealth, as well as every precious jewel, wives and children, retinues and royal positions, the Bodhisattva for the Dharma, bringing forth respect, is able to renounce all things such as these and more. Turn over the page, please. One more. Tomu arbi shu yashi, shouzu wei wei nan. Heads, eyes, ears and nose, tongue as well as teeth, hands and feet, marrow, heart, flesh and blood. He does not find it hard to renounce all things such as these. He counts as most rare only the chance to hear the Dharma. These two paragraphs go together. That's why I read them together now look at this what does it say country cities wealth as well as every precious jewel husbands and children retinues followers and royal positions who is this talking about do you have a country do you have a city do you have a palace precious jewels no this is written for kings this is the text was given originally in an age of royalty only kings can give away a country Meaning, not that, you know, would you like uh, Lithuania? Can I give you Spain? Can you, would you like Greece? No, it's not that. It's not the Bodhisattva's giving away countries. It's to say he can let go of his position as king. He can abdicate if it would bring him closer to hearing the Dharma. Right? It's he gives up his claim to the throne of the country. Not that he's giving you, you know, Cyprus, giving you Palestine, not, or Canada. No, he is willing to let go of his claim to the throne of these countries. All of his wealth as a king, he can let that go. Jewels, his bank account, he can let those go. Uh, Wives and children, retinue. Retinue means a following, a group, your team, your gang, your homies, royal position his position as king his throne he would let it all go the bodhisattva respects the dharma so much that he can let go of all of these things in exchange for hearing the dharma okay that's how to interpret this um would the bodhisattva give away his broadband modem probably not because he would then have to go cold turkey on checking his email every 10 seconds. In case he had a text message. So, but he can give away everything. What else? Please turn over. Page 70. The list continues. So, we just heard that the Bodhisattva can give away all kinds of external wealth. Let's switch over to internal wealth. Head. Eyes, literally in Chinese. Let's look at the Chinese. Look at the left side, page 70. Head, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, teeth. Two kinds of teeth. Hands, feet, bones, marrow, heart, blood, flesh. Such as this, all renounce. Does not consider this difficult. Only takes hearing the Dharma As the most rare. Okay? So, what do we have? Outer wealth, inner wealth. The Bodhisattva can let go of all of these things in exchange for hearing the Dharma. That's what he wants to do. And again, here's the verb is here, right? He wants to, one meaning, he wants to be, be exposed to methods of practice. How can he learn the Dharma? Okay. So, all right. Um, sometimes it can, like, it can be a
1: little discouraging when you hear it because I feel like, you know, to be a bodhisattva would be a really great thing and a really nice thing to strive for. But it's like, I'm not even close to giving up my head or my teeth.
0: <laughs> you, know, you can't give up your teeth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Darius's point is, uh, he's interested in hearing the Dharma too, but if you apply this literally, he is not about to give up his head or his teeth for the Dharma. So it's kind of discouraging. It's like, gee, I guess I'm not a bodhisattva. Well, here's my way of approaching that. Um, We lectured recently on the Ten Practices chapter, and... Oh, my goodness, the standards of the Bodhisattva and the Ten Practices were so high. He's so lofty. And what, these two, uh, what this section is talking about is the Bodhisattva's priorities. Right? Here's his priorities. What's, what, is wealth, what is valuable? Not the stuff that I consider valuable. He says the Dharma is most valuable. The way I look at it is this is setting the bar high because here's the paradigm of the bodhisattva. Here's the standard lofty bodhisattva. And the point is, measure yourself. Take a look. And yeah, I'm not there yet, but what can I do? Well, here's mom. Mom gives up her beauty to nurse her kid. Mom gives up her sleep to, to help the kid at night, when he cries, when she cries, mom will give up food if the kid's hungry, right? She will give up her reputation to go quiet the kid who's screaming in the airport waiting room, boarding lounge, right? She doesn't—that's her kid. She's going to go and yeah, this is my kid, you know. Everybody's looking at her. She doesn't care. She got, the kids crying, you know. So mom will give up reputation, beauty. The things that before put her in front of the mirror for hours, you know, right? Making up, she, no, forget that. I, I'm raising a kid now. So her priorities changed. All right? What is dad? Dad was a free spirit. Dad had dreams. What does dad do? let it go for the job. Why? Man, I got people who are waiting for me, who count on me, you know. So when you put it that way, It's like, this is abstract. This is the the pure bodhisattva's uh, qualities. Yeah, if I look at it in the abstract, philosophically, it's pretty far away. Right? If you take it as, suddenly something changed. I had a family now. I had kids now. And you go, oh yeah. So, our bodhisattva, um, Darius, if you had been here every week, you would have seen the bodhisattva's progression step by step through this awareness, right? So, (coughs) So that's okay. That's all right. I know you're busy. On, you work hard during the week, and Saturday night is the night that you whoo, decompress. I'm right there. However, what we have seen step by step is this bodhisattva. First of all, as I when I, you know, gave the preamble, the bodhisattva started by in the, the chapter. He saw through things change. Wait, you know, a week, and this is going to be a wilted, desiccated thing. Now it's very beautiful. He sees everything that way. He recognizes how things made of conditions fall apart. He wakes up to that. And he learns this balance in the midst of that because he's not attached anymore. But then the next thing is he sees everybody he cares about totally attached. The stuff breaks up all the same. They suffer. So he's very much in the position of the mom wanting to get the kid to stop crying or the dad taking responsibility for their lives. Bit by bit, he has come to that place where it's not far away, it's just the next step. Right? And so I, you know, that's how I approach it. It's like, for him, progressively, it's just one more step. And it goes, yeah, no doubt. I'm You kidding me? Of course. And so he's got to find a way. He's the doctor who's seeing people dropping dead on all sides, and he says, "Man, what do I? What medicine is going to work?" So, it's not not that far away. Okay, we are at the point where the in the now these are the rep- repetitive verses in the text in the prose. Every one of these ten grounds and the ten practices before it and the ten transferences before that all have a little story in them this in the third ground the bodhisattva gets challenged okay you want to hear the dharma all right jump into the pit of fire I'll give you the dharma how does he respond that's our next section and next week we'll we'll take the bodhisattva through his test these bodhisattvas in formation get a test every time all right You mean it? You really mean it? Okay, we'll see if you mean it. Throw your body into the pit of fire. What does he say? That's a preview of coming attractions. Don't miss it next week. Otherwise, you won't know how it comes out. So, that's where we'll continue at this time next week. If you have a songbook in front of you, please turn to the back. If you have our chanting sheet in front of you, please turn to the dedication of merit question okay why why will there never be peace on
1: earth,
0: why will there never be peace on earth? Mm. at this point i can be the chan master and go hm. right that's if you're a chan master you get good at that hm. okay hm. as soon as there's peace in your heart there'll be peace on earth hm. <laughs> how do i do good okay so if you have to ask you'll never know make peace in your heart and that's as as good as you get even if there were peace on earth and you didn't have peace in your heart you wouldn't know it so let's make a wish and move towards peace on earth by making the world more peaceful one thought at a time so make a wish and we'll transfer the merit together